Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Hey, friend, how are you doing? I hope you're having a great May or whatever month it is while you're listening to this. I was traveling last week, as you probably saw on Instagram. My goal was to leave Minnesota when it was still um, a late winter and come home and hopefully it would be spring. Well, between when my plane landed and when I got home from the airport, there were three different tornado warnings I had to pull over for. So I think I accomplished that goal. In fact, I think we skipped spring and jumped straight to summer. Today, it's supposed to be 90 degrees. It is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the whole like being stranded in my car with a week's worth of dirty laundry and brand new groceries was not exactly ideal, but it is still delightful out there right now. So while I was traveling, I did not have a chance to book a guest for this episode, but it's been a while since we've been together, just the two of us. Do you remember when that was? It was Christmas time. It was December. We've had new friends every other week since December. And sometimes we do solo episodes on the show. Ha <laughs> ha! We may have forgotten that because it's been like five months. Guests are coming back. I'm working on the schedule for um, June, July, August, and September. If you know someone that you would love to have on the show, you would love to hear a little bit more of their story, understand their perspective a little bit better, feel like their voice hasn't been represented, or even they have a different perspective than the voice that was similar to theirs, have them send me an email, katie at katieaxelson.com. Or if you want to be on the show yourself, you are 100% welcome to nominate yourself. We've got some great guests lined up, but we're always looking for new friends to be able to share their story. Be sure to hit subscribe because those friends are coming more quickly than we think. Have you been watching the debacle that is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? I have not been watching it very closely. I've seen enough clips online that my social media thinks I'm interested both in celebrity gossip and court cases. Um, which is not entirely true, but I do want to share a little bit about an opportunity I had recently to practice what we here at Have Hope Will Travel believe, to listen to opposing perspectives, to listen to different perspectives, to hear somebody's story in real life. Yes, my friends, I was summoned for jury duty. Here's the thing about jury duty. Every time you have it, everyone's response is negative. Like, I called to reschedule a medical appointment, and I told the receptionist I had jury duty, and you could hear the energy drain from her voice. I think that stinks were her literal words. Her literal professional words were, that stinks. A lot of people asked if I was going to try to get out of it. And I'll be honest, I sort of did. Um, When you ask me what my profession is, there are a lot of different answers that I can give that are all truthful. And so I often select the one that's most relevant to the situation at hand. For example... If I am entering a foreign country, my visa will always say writer. Writer, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, writer. I mean, unless that one time my visa said that I was a teacher, that was a whole different story. Um, But I also have more lucrative job titles. And when I'm applying for a credit card, a mortgage, anything where I want you to give me money that are a quote unquote risk, I use the lucrative one. But then there's the job title of pastor. That gets me neither money nor credibility in another country. And so I use it sparingly. But it seemed like the right choice for jury duty. Because, of course, the court can't discriminate against me based on my creed, religion, profession, amidst a laundry list of other things not currently applicable. And so people started giving me tips and tricks for how to get out of jury duty. The more people complained about it, to be honest, the more excited I actually got out of it. I wanted to serve as a juror. I mean, I wanted a couple days home waiting to be called to the courthouse rather than being called in my very first morning, like actually happened, but whatever. Our criminal justice system has some opportunities, as I think we are all very well aware right now, and this felt like an opportunity to put into practice what I podcast about. 
to hear a conversation where I can't be the one asking the questions, to be part of changing the story for the individual in front of me. And selfishly, I love new experiences. I'd never had jury duty before. I was summoned once in the state of Wisconsin while I was a college student in North Carolina, and they asked if I was coming home for the summer, and conveniently that was the summer I was studying abroad. And not only was I deferred indefinitely, I was removed from the list of possible jurors. I don't really know how long you stay removed, but I moved to Minnesota, got a Minnesota driver's license, and got registered to vote here in Minnesota, and I got put back on the list. So I got a little sneak peek of how other professions work. What does a judge actually do? What does a lawyer actually do? What's a clerk? What's a court reporter? Is the witness stand literally as intimidating as everyone says it is? Yes, yes it is. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And the clips that you've seen of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, they have some elements of truth to my experience, but also, let's remember, these are professionals with lots of money. If you don't know, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Hennepin County Government Center, where I participated in jury duty, is the same location where Derek Chauvin was convicted of the murder of George Floyd and Kim Potter was convicted of the murder of Dante Wright. Back in November, when I was originally summoned for jury duty, I deferred because the timing wasn't good. And had I not deferred, it's very possible I would have been on the Kim Potter trial, or at least reported with the jurors who ended up on the Kim Potter trial. As it was, I was placed on a trial, trial that I had never heard of and was forbidden to Google. That was probably the hardest part. That's not true. But that was a hard part. Because if you're familiar with Strength Finders, Strengths Finder, my top strength is input, which means I will lose hours researching weird things on the internet. If you want random knowledge, I got you. You want to find someone you lost contact with years ago? I'm the woman for the job. Literally, I found a friend I had lost contact with a decade ago without knowing their last name or the state that they lived in. Google is my friend, but I could not Google this case. I was at the mercy of Hennepin County for both the information they told me and the schedule they gave me. That concept does not bode well for the American public who prides ourselves on not being told what to do. Everyone at jury duty was cranky. Every single juror I heard was complaining, and that wears on you just as a fellow juror, but I can't imagine being the clerk and the staff who have to corral cranky jurors all day long. The staff were incredibly nice people, even if they weren't always the most accommodating. Like, literally, they told us if the internet broke in the waiting room, there was nothing they could do about it. Room for improvement. Or the schedule they gave me changed um, 1,500 times exact number. So the first morning of jury duty, I show up to the courthouse. I pay for my own parking because they do not validate parking. I do not understand that, but they don't. Another room for improvement. And I report to this jury room in the midst of Omicron. Yes, my friends, I was very stressed at how many people were assembled in the jury room in the midst of the pandemic. Sure, they were all wearing masks, um, many of them wearing them properly. But the guy nearest to me definitely had some sort of respiratory thing going on, and the gal behind me was actively drinking coffee for two hours straight. It's also really interesting to me that no one has a problem wearing a mask at a courthouse, but oh boy, do they have a problem wearing a mask at an airport. Hmm, that's interesting. So this very large collection of us are sitting in a very small room, 
well, it's not a very small room. It was just not a proportionate room. Jurors versus Omicron versus room space. Um, and no one wants to be there. And I'll be honest, myself included. Like, I wanted the downtime of doing nothing. Like, I had some podcasting work I wanted to get done. I had an ebook I wanted to write. Um, and I have a last name that starts with A. So I was the second name called to be assigned to a case. There would be no waiting around for me. Which turned out to be fine because everyone had bad attitudes, or at least the jurors did, and I really did not need to be in that environment any longer than I had to be. Um, the courthouse staff was nice and appreciative, not always super helpful like the internet thing. Um, I value efficiency and streamlined processes, so I could see about a million ways where jury duty could be more efficient, smoother, and less stressful, like validating parking passes and being able to fix the internet. Some tissues around the juror assembly room would have been appreciated. Or even more concrete times, like we're going to make our first call of the day at 10, rather than being like, stay in the room, we'll make it on, we'll make the call soon. And then it just is 15 minutes later and you're like, I could have gone to the bathroom, but now I still have to keep waiting. But also better attitudes for the jurors would have been helpful. So this is my plea to you. If you ever get jury duty, please, please, please be nice to the people. Be nice to the people. There's no reason you need to be rude to the people. This is their job. They get paid to be there. Technically, you're getting paid to be there, too. I understand you don't want to be there, but we host a podcast talking about hearing other people's stories. Think about it as a chance to put into practice why you listen to this show. It is a real-life opportunity. So after seeing the We're Making a Call Soon sign on the screen for 15 minutes, they did come in and make the first call the very first morning, the very first Monday of jury duty. They pulled all of the first letters of the alphabet last names, and we were told to report downstairs in like an hour or whatever. I don't know why we needed an hour to go down three flights of stairs, but they gave us an hour to do it, which was nice, I guess. We were subselected and prepped for a case. There were 25 of us, and I was in the back row, so I really couldn't see the people, the other potential jurors, but I did notice that there was only one person of color. Um, I do happen to know that one individual was not selected to be on the jury, so that's interesting. Um, obviously, I couldn't tell everyone. I literally could just see um, skin tones from the back of the room, like from the back of their heads or whatever. Of the 25, 12 of us would be on the jury, and there would be two alternates. So 14 of us would be selected. And because we did not yet know which 14 of us would be on the case, they briefed all of us on the details of the trial and then questioned us individually, which did not occur on the same day. We had to go back different days, or in my case, two different days, to be questioned. They originally told me I would come on, I don't remember if it was, say, Thursday, and then they called me on Tuesday to say, actually, come tomorrow. And so I went, and then they said, actually, come tomorrow again. So I went from Thursday to Wednesday to Thursday. And when she told me that they would need me to return on Thursday because they weren't going to have time for me on Wednesday, she was super apologetic. Like, I felt really bad that she had to come tell me this. And, like, you could, you could feel that she was ready for me to be mad. And I was just like, oh, okay, great. I'll see you in the morning then. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you for being understanding. And here's one thing that you need to know. My employer is super supportive. So I basically told them, Hennepin County is writing my schedule this week. I will work these times, these hours, these days. And that's what you get. And they were fine with it. And I said, if they call me, I have to take their phone call, which they did. 
and I saved the court phone number in my phone as jury duty. And so when the call did come in, I like held up my phone for everyone to see and then ran from the room to be able to answer it. So that helped my situation go a lot more smoothly. But I know not everyone is in that kind of situation. But hey, employers, support your people during jur- doing jury duty. No one wants to be there, but knowing that you're behind them can make the difference in the experience. When it was finally my turn for jury interrogation on Thursday, the process took all of 20 minutes. The judge had very few questions for me. Those of them were mainly around COVID protocols and if I felt safe, um, which I did because, like I said, no one seemed to have a problem wearing a mask at a courthouse, unlike at the airport, which I've experienced with both. And then the attorneys asked me questions. They asked if I had biases towards individuals of color, towards police officers, towards medical professionals. They told me to be prepared to see individuals in uniform take the stand, to be prepared to see graphic images. And that's when my stomach turned a little bit, because I'm not squeamish. Y'all know I donate blood. But graphic images of a crime scene? Now may be a good time to tell you that this was a murder trial. Yeah, I can talk about it on the cases closed. I sat there with 25 other potential jurors being briefed for a murder trial. I was interrogated by a lawyer defending someone who was later convicted of murder. Premeditated murder. But in that moment, as I sat there watching the whole scene play out, and as I've thought about this experience long beyond when I was dismissed from jury duty, they decided a pastor on their murder trial wasn't a good choice. I have more questions than I do accusations. Like what happened that led us all to this place? What's the story behind the story? Where did things go wrong? What were the intentions of the defendant when he showed up with a gun? Was he provoked? Did he even do it? Reality remains the same. One man is dead. But still, there's so much more to the story than we will ever fully know. And I wasn't selected to be part of the jury but I was still interrogated. And in that moment, it's just you and the staff of the case. So me, a judge, a court reporter, four different attorneys, a defendant, two clerks, two security guards, and a handful of other people that I have no idea what they actually did. And all eyes are on you. And I told them about this podcast. They had a lot of questions about this podcast. And conveniently, my listenership went up that day. So, hi attorneys, I see you there. We're going to pretend it's actually the attorneys who wanted to hear my podcast and not the fact that I was also promoting the show in a podcasting group. Um, I'm going to pretend it was court. I got new listeners from court. It was also very funny because at one point when the attorney and I were talking, the judge interrupts both of us and like turns to me and was like, I can tell you host a podcast and are comfortable in front of a microphone because your voice is really loud and you're projecting really well. But our microphones are not that advanced. I need you to back up off the mic. And I was like, okay, great. And then she turned to the attorney and she's like, you need to speak directly into the mic because we can't hear you. (laughs) At one point, the defendant's attorney who was questioning me pointed to the man sitting beside him and said, my client is sitting here beside me. And he motioned to the only individual of color in the room. And he goes, obviously, he's black. And I nodded. Yes, I could see his skin color. And I can see the unwritten reality that the criminal justice system is less than kind, less than fair to individuals of color. 
and I wasn't supposed to know this, but I knew that the other juror of color had been dismissed with questions about his English skills. I was never asked about my English skills. That man spoke English very well. Interesting. Very interesting. I noticed that the only potential juror who I was aware of who actually made it onto the jury was the white man. The two white women were dismissed. The man of color was dismissed. Interesting. Very interesting. Obviously, I don't know anything about the panel beyond those few, but it's all very interesting. And the attorney looked at me and he said, this is a murder trial. Murder. With extra emphasis to make sure that it had clicked for me. And I nodded. I understood. And he had already established that I was a pastor and he asked if I had any religious reasons not to participate in the case. I think he was hoping I would say yes, you know, being that Christian pastor and whatnot. I did not. I think if I lived in a state where the death penalty is a thing, I may have answered differently. But knowing what the charges were and what the potential sentence could be, I did not. I genuinely wanted to be on this jury. I didn't want to see the graphic images they had warned us about, but I did want to be part of bringing justice for this one man and for his victim. I wanted to be part of changing the system, at least for one individual, and to not simply see one's color of their skin, as the defense attorney so blatantly pointed out, and just to assume that they were guilty. I met the eye of the judge when she spoke to me. I did the same for the attorneys as they spoke to me. And I met the defendant's eye. Or perhaps he met mine. And sitting here, right in front of me, is a man. A man who potentially caused the death of another man. But as we were sitting across the courtroom, I didn't see a murderer. Innocent until proven guilty, and I heard her nothing but the charges. I saw a man. A man whose life has no doubt been harder than mine. A man whose circumstances have no doubt been different than mine. A man now requiring two security guards to sit with him in the same room. A man with two different attorneys. And I had questions. Could he afford them? Were they good ones? Had they been assigned to him? Did they even believe him? Ultimately, the attorney asking me questions asked for a moment to speak to his team. The judge turned up the white noise, and because we were all wearing masks, I was not able to read their lips. But I kind of knew the reality already. I was history. I would not get to sit on this case, though it would become part of my history. And now free from the oath not to do any research and to rely only on the court to present their details, I spent the next few days scouring the internet to find the story. And eventually I did. It's not my story, so I won't share it here. But three different news sources reported it. And it made me wonder, what actually happened? Was it self-defense? Was it defense of another individual? One of the articles mentioned kids. Did they witness the death? Did they witness their dad being a hero? Or did they witness him being a murderer? How are the other people in the story coping? These are questions I will never know the answer to. I did continue to follow the case, and the defendant was convicted. I don't know what a sentence is. I'd have to report back to the courthouse to get that information. It's not available online. But my heart breaks for the man sitting in front of me, who potentially made one bad decision, potentially to defend himself 
his kids or the mother of said kids. And he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail for it. And my heart breaks for the man who lost his life, for his loved ones. Does he have kids? Does he have a significant other? Does he have friends, family, people who are mourning his death? Everything about the situation sucks. But I think it's not just a reflection on two individuals who got into a fight. I think it's a reflection on the criminal justice system at large and on our American culture. And as much as I wanted to be on jury duty, I'm glad I didn't have to be the one to judge the situation, the circumstances, and what was presented before me. Because that's what they told us in jury duty, is that there are two judges in the courtroom. The judge that we think of in the black robe, who's the judge of the law, and the jury, the judge of the facts. And I don't know that I wanted to carry that kind of a weight on a murder trial. I just like to change stories. And I didn't get to change the story that day, or even be part of the story that day. But it's become part of my story. It makes me see things differently, to ask different questions, to wonder differently, to externally process a little bit, as I know this show has been. But I hope that there's also an invitation for you to think and to process a little bit differently because of this show, because of the circumstances you've witnessed, because of the moments you've been part of. My social media thinks that I like court cases at this point, so it keeps giving me reels and whatnot of them. And the reel that I watched this morning has also stuck with me. It was a judge asking a defendant a question about his education. And as it turns out, the two went to middle school together. And by this point, the grown man is weeping. And the judge is telling everyone how kind he was as a middle schooler. And the caption said something about how our lives can go two different directions. And I think that that's true. Our lives can go a million different directions. And we never really know what the moments are that are going to take them one direction over the other. Honestly, we're all one relatively tiny mistake away from being the defendant. One pedestrian you don't see on a crowded street. One miscommunication. One accusation, false or true. One ID you forgot to check because it was really busy that night. That actually happened to us recently. My coworkers and I like to go to the bar after work. So we were hanging out in a quiet corner to ourselves, We figure we already have each other's germs working together 40 hours a week, so if we stick to ourselves, we can still pour into the local economy. We already had our drinks when one more coworker showed up, and of course, he was asked for his ID. We start rolling, because this guy is at least 10 years older than any of the rest of us, and here's the quote-unquote old guy in the group being asked for his ID. But the bartender doesn't know that. She just knows this man has ordered a drink. And when we explained... She explained. They'd recently had someone undercover come in. Everyone else in the group was overage. And so her coworker, on a busy night, just didn't check the last ID and is facing a lot of trouble because of it. It's so easy to make a mistake. It's going to cost a lot. Everything can change in an instant. And in some ways, that's terrifying. 
Like when you're just trying to get home from the airport with your fresh groceries and your week worth of dirty clothes. And you keep having to pull over because you can't see. Because there's hail. Because there's yet another tornado warning. There were three tornado warnings between the grocery store and my house. But it's also exciting. Because it means you don't have to be who you were yesterday. You can grow. You can change. You can learn from the experience. And sure, what happened quote-unquote yesterday may still have consequences or elements that you need to deal with. But it doesn't have to bind you. You don't have to be stuck there forever. Lamentation says God's mercy is new every morning. That includes this morning. That includes tomorrow morning. It's a new day. A new chance for a new situation and a new circumstance. Even if everything looks the same as it did yesterday. So friend, that's going to be the final challenge I leave for you today. The first one, of course, was don't be cranky even though you got jury duty. The second one, find a way to accommodate jury duty. The third one, what does it look like to allow today's circumstances to impact your growth, your development, who you are, and who you're becoming? What does it look like to take one step closer to who you want to be, regardless of what your circumstances are today? As always, big thanks for listening. I hope there was something here in my external processing about my experience of jury duty that resonated with you. Something that you can take action on. Somewhere where you're going to see things differently. Because that's the point of the show, right? When we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are. We hear their stories. We understand their perspectives. We grow and change because of it. So I hope that my story, this little snippet of my story, has helped you grow, helped you change, helped you see things a little bit differently. We will see you again in two weeks. We've got more friends coming to share their stories, their perspectives with us. Until then, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure we are connected over on Instagram. That is where you'll get the play-by-play of things like the tornado warning. I'm at Katie Axelson. And of course, if you ever need anything, Katie at KatieAxelson.com. My friend, know that you are loved. Know that you are appreciated. Know that you are seen. Know that you are cared for. You matter. And we will see you again soon. Bye-bye.